Welcome to the How Soccer Explains Leadership Podcast, where we explore leadership principles through the lens of the beautiful game. Welcome back to How Soccer Explains Leadership. Thanks again for being a part of the conversation. I'm Phil Dark, your host. As usual now, I'm going to say that because I am going to make the future true. As usual, Paul Jobson is here with me today as we're doing a, another Hopefully, I have no doubt it will be another great interview that we're going to be able to bring your way. Paul, how are you doing this morning? Doing great. Hey, you say it enough, it's just going to happen. But That's exactly uh, I, think right. we're, I think we're making this happen, Phil. So I'm excited to be back with, with you again. And uh, yeah, as you said, looking forward to another great, a great interview today. Yeah, so, you know, Paul and I, we, we very, very likely, we just talked about this before recording, very likely met in Atlanta. We had... Dan Williams last week from Atlanta, who happens to be a friend of our guest today, who's also coming at us from Atlanta. I say Atlanta, it's the Atlanta area, but you know, Atlanta just it goes out miles and miles and miles beyond the city limits. So we have Jorge Vallejo here with us. Just, I'm so excited for this interview because I, I watched a little video about Jorge because he won the Coaches Leadership Network Coach of the Year in 2019. We'll put that video in the show notes so you can take a look at that. We're going to talk about a lot of the things there. He also founded an organization called Upper 90, doing some really cool things in Atlanta with a lot, of, a lot, lot more to this man that we're going to get to hear today. So without any more from Paul and me right now, you'll probably hear enough from from us during this conversation, we got Jorge with us. Jorge, how are you doing? Hey, good afternoon. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, good. Well, well, Jorge, you know, we, we talked about this before. You're, you're from Colombia, and I, I inadvertently misspelled it in the in the show notes or the outline, and I apologize for that. But I want you to just, you know, briefly share with us about your, your, your childhood, about your, you know, what brought you to the U.S., just your story, really, and how you developed your passion for soccer and leadership and, and how you got to be where you are today. Definitely. Thank you. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm from Bogota, Colombia, South America. And as you guys know, football, what, you, what we call soccer here in the States, football is just, it's just part of life. And so I, I grew up in a family that everybody plays football. That's how my parents met. You know, grow up with a grandma, loves football. So so that was part part of the culture. Grew up in a underserved community. But I just remember for me, soccer is, is just kind of what I remember growing up doing, what blessed me with friendships, what honestly also kept me away from trouble. Cause it, all we wanted to do was always, always play soccer. And and for me personally, faith is something that has a big part of my life now, but it wasn't back then. But soccer just gave me opportunities to to pursue my, my dream of professional soccer in Colombia. Soccer opened doors for me that I thought I was never going to have. I did. I wasn't not even interested, but soccer opened doors to get a higher education in college in the United States. Again, I was never going to go to college, not even in Colombia. But but again, God used this thing of soccer to to open so many opportunities to come to the states play college football, gain an education. After that, get more involved into coaching at a high level, continue to play pro soccer. And, and where I'm right now is leading an organization that, again, is, uses this thing of, of football, which I tell people is if you if you look at football, you know, it's a, it's a soccer ball. It's a ball filled with air. And I always tell people, think about that. It's a ball filled with air. That's it. But if you go everywhere in the world, it's amazing just the passion that brings to people. So so anyway, that that was part of my life. And that's what God used to to give me many opportunities, both in my country, but now where he has me in Atlanta. 
Yeah, and one of the things you talked about in that video was, you know, for your dad and what it meant for to him of, of you being able to go to the United States. And you, I think the, the analogy you used, it was like, you know, someone telling you to go to the, you'd be going to the moon or something to be able to go. And so can you just talk about that as far as, you know, how that happened and then just really in your family what that meant and, and why it meant so much? Definitely. Yeah. So, so again, in our family, the way to make it out of poverty is you become pro footballer. And so, so for me, that was the dream. And at the age of 15, I got called to a trial for one of the pro teams in my city. Of course, that was really big for me. Went to the tryout, made the team. And, and again, that team had a lot of influence in my life. That's where I met a lot of people that have faith, people that start talking about, hey, football is a gift from God. So that, that impacted me a lot. And through that group of people, one of my agents, he became a pastor in, in, in Miami. And he started talking with my parents. And again, my dad grew up homeless, a really poor community. But for my dad to hear that there's an opportunity for your son to get not just an education, but a free education from the United States of America, that, that was just unheard of. Uh, like that was just something like I always tell people, it's like somebody tell you, hey, you get to go to Mars. And and again, for me, if I'm honest, I, I did not want to pursue that. I also ran that path uh, to starting my pro career, continue to grow. But again, the door, my parents encouraged me, hey, just just go check it out for a month. I came here for a month. And and again, the rest is history, how God opened those doors. But yeah, for my dad, my dad, again, he didn't graduate from high school until he's probably mid-30s. He's right now 62. He graduated from law when he was 55. So for my dad, education mm-hmm. always had a big importance. So for him seeing that, his son gets to have an education from the United States. For him, that was just a big win that he thought we were never going to have a chance to have. So, so anyway, that was a big, big for our family. Yeah, that's a, that's awesome. That's such a such a great story to be able, as you talked about, because education was so important. And I, I just I just love hearing that. And and through that, as you talked about, you met different people along the way. God brought different people into your life. You had different opportunities. Obviously, going to school, being able to do different things, but. Through all of that, you developed a, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you, you developed a personal mission, kind of your, your personal why. And what, what is that? And, and how are you living it out every day? Yeah, definitely. No, yeah. For, so for me personally, definitely, again, again, just my story, faith has a big component of what I do. So for me, everything that I do, I just feel like I have learned that all of life is, is stewardship. Like God blesses us with opportunities. And for me, it's like, how can I leverage what God allows me to to have in life, talents, time, treasures, how can I use that for his glory, but for the good of my community? So in a way for me, the way I do life is like, hey, how is this adding value to the kingdom of God? And how is my presence in this community being a benefit, not to me, but to my neighbor and specifically to, to my underserved community? So that's how only, again, only by God's grace, I get to do life. It's like, okay, here's here's what God has given me. How can I steward that? And how can I maximize that uh, for his glory? And of course, my my good, but a key component for me, how's that benefiting my community? So that's a way that I, I try, uh, again, by God's grace to to do life. Yeah, and I know that resonates with both me and Paul. So, you know, Paul, what, what, what do you think of that? Yeah, I, I love that. I love just how that uh, that kind of, pushes you and, and motivates you and, and probably sets a lens before you as to what decisions to make and, and, and where to go. And I think that transitions really well into, you know, I want to talk a little bit about Upper 90, like what, what were kind of the origins of Upper 90 and, and tell us a little bit about that, that organization and, and your work with FCA. Definitely. Yeah. So, so pretty quick after graduating college, I, I wanted to continue the, the dream to play pro soccer. 
go up in a few doors in different places. I ended up, the last team, it was in Philadelphia. And back then, there was no MLS team. That was the MISL team. And But after practice, I was bringing a soccer ball to downtown Philly. I was living in Philadelphia. And if you know Philly, if you don't know Philly, it's, it's really not a soccer town. It's an Eagles and a Philadelphia Philly. That, that's what it is, especially downtown. Mm-hmm. But I'm bringing this soccer ball. And, and all these kids were coming. I was meeting these kids. Most of these kids that I was serving, they, they were African-American kids. So I just remember that's not the sport. So it was kind of mm-hmm. funny because they, they were they were no good at all at the sport. But because they saw Coach Jorge coming every week, twice a week, and he was always there, they, we just had a relationship where I started kind of coaching them a little bit, hearing about their lives. And, and they kind of broke my heart because the way they saw life, the future for them, and again, this is a really rough community called Kensington in downtown Philly. What they saw in life is like the options is become a bowler, a rapper, or a drug dealer. And that mm-hmm. was said. And for me, growing up in a community like that, I was like, hey, guys, there's actually way more than that. There's many more opportunities with, with education, businesses. And for me, God gave me a burden of how can I use this thing of soccer or sports to develop some kind of social enterprise that provides mentors to underserved children to help them win, not just on the field, but in life. Whatever that looks like, education, purpose, of course, for me, faith. I want them to know that, hey, hey, God loves you. He has a plan for you. Whether you become a CEO, a pro player, a painter, a plumber, a dad, whatever it is that you do, if your faith gives you a greater purpose. So, so I started doing that. That's when I met with FCA, an incredible guy called Terry Hill. They were looking for somebody to serve in the inner city of Philly. So he came alongside me and, and said, hey, we, we love what you're doing. We'd love to come alongside you. And that's what I heard for the first time, FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Big, big ministry, beautiful ministry. So they basically gave me a platform to to do what I was doing with soccer in the community. Because FCS, FCS works a little different with the huddles in high schools. What I was doing, it was inside the communities with mentoring and soccer and that kind of as that grew uh long story short ended up moving to atlanta to continue to grow that that uh, soccer ministry and moving to atlanta fca is an incredible ministry well respected specifically on the south but what we do as open night is different so it came a moment that we decided hey fca we're so grateful for you we've been partners for like almost 13 years let's continue to work together but but we're kind of going to go this different lane because we saw that god was giving us opportunity to grow more and more so Oper 90 is, is it started in 2006 in downtown philly but officially as a non-profit registered non-profit it's as of 2019 and, and again this is what we do we use the platform of soccer uh to come alongside families children in understood communities and partner with them and equip and empower them to win on the field and in life. And what that looks like. A lot of our kids uh, in the communities that we serve, undocumented immigrants, refugees, uh, the dropout rate in high school is huge. And that's one of our goals, actually, is that through mentoring, life skills, through sports, we want to make sure that our kids graduate from high school with a plan for their life. And and again, if you're not a soccer person listening to this this program, Oper 90 is a soccer concept. Like I, I believe both of you guys are soccer people. So Oper 90, what does that mean to you guys? What what is that? What is that for you? The top corner. Top corner of the of the goal. That's right. Yeah, exactly. Perfect shot. I usually tell people is that goal from Messi in the Champions League. I think it was 2019 maybe free kick against Liverpool and it's top corner. So they're the hardest goals to score. They're so hard. Because you have a wall, you have an obstacle, so you have to kick it. 
with the right pace, right direction. And no matter how good that keeper is, if he goes top corner, it's not only a goal, but it's an incredible, what we call golazo. People go crazy. So why open 90? Because God has given us a heart and a burden to partner with families living in underserved communities, partner, work alongside them to help them score the greatest goals in life. And our families have a lot, a lot of obstacles. They don't have a level playing field. So we want to support that they have that. But when they score that goal, and for us is this, when they come, when they discover and embrace the love of God in their lives, that's an open 90 goal for us. And we go crazy. We celebrate. When their child graduates from high school and is the first one in their family to graduate from high school, that's an open 90 goal for us. And we celebrate that. Or where somebody in that family understands that, hey, no matter what you do in your, in your life, work, whatever you do, Faith equips you to have a purpose in anything that you do, whether it's washing a dish, leading a company, that's an open 90 goal. So that's that's why for us, we're called open 90. We're just a bunch of soccer people that, that we want to serve and learn from our community. Yeah, I love that. Just some amazing just opportunities to celebrate life-changing moments. And I like how you've incorporated that into, like like you said, the Golasso, the, one of the most amazing Feats in, in, in the game itself is putting that ball in that spot. And the ones that can do it over and over again are the ones that get the most praise or success. And and I love that your organization is is one of those that's doing that. Is there a story, Jorge, of like maybe a, a certain individual that just comes to mind that just you, you've been able to celebrate over the years and just maybe that that wow factor? Is there, is there one story that stands out to you that you can share with our listeners? Yeah, there's a few. The, the first one that comes to mind, we had a kid, and again, in Atlanta, a lot of some, the majority of the communities that we serve, they're mobile home parks, and they're mostly Hispanic family, first generation people here in this country. And we have this kid that uh, he started with us, Brian. He played, he started with us in the, in the, in the, in the program as a young kid. We were able to provide a mentor into his life to provide, again, what, what brought him to us is his passion for football. That's why he was there. But through that passion, we got to come, equip him, make him a better player, but more important, equip him with the life skills to succeed both in school, in life, his community. Long story short, this kid ended up, you know, going through our program. He, he graduated from high school. He was the first one in his family to graduate from high school. That was huge. But what I love is that then Brian, for a few years after he was done playing with our program, after he was older, he became one of our mentor coaches in our program. And for me, that was that really helped us to realize like, hey, that's that's key for strategy that our goal is not just for us to bring these people from the side, come here to serve, but the better strategy for us, like how, how are we replicating leaders in the community? Because, because this kid, Brian, graduated, those kids in his community, they're like, okay, wait, that that's not coach, you know, Michael. He comes from outside. That's Coach Brian. He's one of us. And he graduated from high school and he's in college now. And and I think he that kid has had such an impact in his community because he's one of them. So that's one of my that's that's always been one of my favorite stories, just just because we we want to multiply the Brian's in our community. And the last one I'll say Judy. Judy's actually one of our teammates, one of our staff. Judy grew up in Honduras. We have our ministry in Honduras as well. Judy as a female. She, she grew up in 14 different orphanages. As a female, she was not allowed to play soccer because you're a female, right? In some places, still a male sport. Well, this girl's kind of stubborn. She keeps playing the punishment. They shave her head. She didn't care. Oh. Long story short, God opened the doors for this girl. She ended up getting a full scholarship to play college soccer in the mm. States. Now she's been serving with Open 90 for the last eight years. And together with her, we established Open 90 Honduras now for... 11 years where she gets to come we're serving orphans and children from the street in honduras and here's judy sharing with them her story saying like hey guys i'm one of you i'm mm -hmm. one of you 
and 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 guess what god god has used my pain and he has redeemed that and what the difficulties happen in my life guess what god's using the now stretchers to provide hope to others and again for us that's that's why we do what we do hey listen we love football but we're not a soccer club we're more than that but we're using this platform of football to see that kind of life transformation absolutely love that man it's so so encouraging you know my heart for honduras worked there for 13 years and just absolutely love the people of honduras some i consider family members down there i definitely want to go down with you some someday hopefully in the near future and uh, be able to do some work together down there yeah well let's let's make it happen let's make it happen i know when i texted sean smithson who actually connected us we're gonna get sean on here someday hopefully soon but he said he was down there with you and i was i was definitely had a bit of envy there because yeah i just love absolutely love my my brothers and sisters in honduras so i love how it happened it wasn't just you know saying hey let's go and you know throw a dart on a board and I love how God brought you to, you know, a country that wasn't, you know, your home country as well to be able to do life with different people in different areas and different parts. And it was an organic growth that that was just God leading you there. And I absolutely love, love hearing that story. And it actually reminds me, my uh, daughter, when she was nine, I took her to Honduras with me on a, on a trip. And, and I said, you know, what do you have to give to give back what do you have that you have a skill that you can encourage and love people with and she says i play soccer and i said yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and so she at nine years old did a a clinic for seven-year-old girls at the school in 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 the community that we had there and it was such a beautiful thing that she was just able to play and, and, and encourage like you said girls who were not encouraged to play but to see another girl come and and who could play who was about her age and it was just and to come back year year after year and see those girls same girls playing with the boys and and several of them were better than the boys after the years because they after that saw you know what it is a it is right and good for these girls to be playing this game and it's not just for the boys so love that super encouraged by that and yeah i just want to say keep it up brother love love it you you also in addition, or as part of, I, I don't know if it's part of or just something you do on the side, but you're also the chaplain for the Atlanta United. I, I assume you still are. That video was made a few years ago, but maybe you aren't. But whether you are or aren't, but w- what does that look like And as far as, you know, you're working with the youth, and then you're also chaplain for Atlanta United, likely a different demographic. There might be some similar people with that, with that background, but uh, how is the work similar and different from your work with the youth players and teams that you're working with with Upper 90? Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely there. Yeah, and I'm still I'm still part of the team, serving as a chaplain and a mentor coach. Yeah, no, we still we still serving them, and yeah, definitely different demographics, but but it's the same in a way. It's just the same work. Like again, kind of the work that I do. You know, we we talk a lot about a mentor coach, so that's kind of what I see myself with with the youth, but also with these guys that, of course, they they're at a high level, and as you guys know, at a high level, of course, there's there's a lot of different pressures in life. But the way it looks like, I've been blessed for many years just to come alongside those guys and and we meet on a weekly basis. When I play, I was impacted by the chaplains that we have on the teams. and But I also learned to that we, we meet during the week because I prefer to meet with the guys, hey, I want to meet with you for an hour that to meet for about two minutes on game day. So that's the way I do it. We meet actually during the week after training. And of course, it's voluntary. Anybody that wants to come, they meet with us. And I love it because I have guys that faith is part of their life. So definitely we, we talk about, hey, what does it look like for us to pursue God, to pursue faith in the context of our careers? How does it look like to store that, to honor that, 
here in this training facility, in the stadium, but also in your day-to-day life. So literally, we just open God's Word, read it, and then we go deeper. We say, okay, what what do we observe there? And then how how can you apply that today? So I've been blessed because, again, so many players that, you know, either they're injured or situations happening at home or they just need encouragement. But I'm grateful that I also have players that faith, they're not sure about faith. They just know that 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 the mental side is a key part of the game. So they still want to meet and they want to talk about, you know, even faith, even if it's new for, for them, they, they feel welcome. So for me personally, I love that. I love that they, they feel welcome. They feel honored, even with their lack of faith. And we just talk about life and the struggles that they have. We, we support them. We encourage them. So we do that as a group. But then also I offer to the guys the opportunity like, hey, if you want to go deeper and then I'm able to develop more of one-on-one discipleship opportunities where, of course, a little more private. And then my wife, the beautiful thing is my wife, I'm married. We have four children. My wife, she did not play soccer. She's not an athlete, but but she has a heart for females. So my wife gets to serve the players' wives and girls. How would that look like? Like this week, we have a guy. He's playing with the national team during the break right now. And his wife, you know, is at home with two babies. And I remember my wife, when I play pro player wives, they, everybody thinks like, hey, you have an amazing life, which they are, they're blessed, but, but they have a lot of challenges. So sometimes the way it looks like that we serve is that we get to just come and bring a meal or say, hey, we'll help with the baby. So you get a little break. So, so anyway, again, we're just blessed that we get to do that. And for me, now that I'm not a player at that level anymore, I love it because I still get to, to encourage those guys that that guys has given them a great platform in their lives. Yeah, I, I love that. And one, one of the things we, we talk about is, is that being able to come in and just, you know, do life with each other, right? And that it, it doesn't have to be rocket science. As you said, sharing a meal, just coming alongside somebody when they need some help. And, and so I just, I, I super encouraged by you and, and uh, yeah. So anyway, Paul, what do you, what do you got? Yeah. Jorge, I mean, one of the things that, and just to kind of keep going on this, just just for a second, one of the things that that my wife are are very encouraged by is just and things that we've seen through our coaching career is is having players that have faith and they have sport, but have never really merged that together. Do you find that with with, with the professional players in any sense? Have you seen that at all? Where you kind of come in and and there's this revelation of like, wow, I've I've never really thought about putting these two two things together have you have you seen that yes big time big time and i think that was me again i did not grow up in faith i i and for me as a christian i, I didn't come to know the love of christ at a church i came to know his love and grace on a soccer field and it was through some of my pro teammates that shared and and then learning how how that you know how how that how my faith equips me so yeah a lot of the players that i meet at that level like yes we kind of and, and not their fault, maybe just the way that we grew up, that we say, okay, faith is maybe what I do on a Sunday. But then, then the, the blessing to come alongside them to say, no, 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 like, you're missing an incredible opportunity that, that scripture says, you know, whatever you do, do it with all your heart. Ask to the Lord. And guess what? As athletes, we know what it looks like to give our hearts on that field. So so for me, that's the my favorite part, to be able to walk alongside people, players of faith, but also the ones of no faith and allow them to see like, hey, faith, Faith encompasses all aspects of your life. Faith is the foundation that equips you to, to I tell players like listen, faith is such a it's such an advantage because guess what? Whatever the world throws out you, even the bad stuff, faith takes that and it helps you navigate that, but then uses it to make you a better player, a better person. So so I love it when players connect that. And, and God has allowed me to enjoy that when players connect that 
and man, they're like, they just drinking God's word. They're like, Jorge, I want mm -hmm. more. I want more. Give me more for me. That for me, man, I don't know how you call it, but it's that adrenaline that I just love seeing doing that in people's life when they, when they're able to connect, like, okay, God gave me this talent. How do I get to steward it? Because it's not mine, it's God. How can I get to steward it? Allow God to grow it, expand it for his glory and for my good. So, so anyway, that's, I definitely love experiencing that. Yeah. It's a pretty, pretty cool thing to, to see for sure. And, and I love, I love how you're, you're explaining that of, you know, taking faith and, and putting in into sport and, and just kind of through your, through your experiences of, of how you, how you came to your faith and that describes who you are and how you do things. If you flip that switch a little bit, how does soccer, the game of football, how has that kind of helped you along the way in the things that you do in your leadership styles as well? So you kind of flip that a little bit, like your faith determines a lot of like who you are and what you do. How is the game of football, of soccer, the things that you've learned through the sport how has that kind of dictated your leadership styles too, if that makes sense? Yeah, definitely, definitely. The first thing that comes to mind to me is like the people that know me just in the nonprofit world, you know, the work that I do with leadership, but they don't know me as a player and as a coach, but then maybe they come with me to Honduras and they see me coach. They're like, oh, wow, I never saw that <laughs> side of you. Because <laughs> I get that advantage. I, I think a strength that I have that can easily become a weakness is that God created me as a competitor, I, I love to compete. I, I love, I don't like to lose. I don't think there's people, I don't think there's nobody that likes to lose. I don't like to lose, but I have this kind of, you know, I, I anyway, I don't know how to explain it, but no, when I'm on the soccer field coaching, and of course we honor and respect, but I'm pretty intense. And, and I will say for me, soccer, it just equipped me as a leader in so many ways that, especially for soccer, you know, you're playing 11 players on the field. I always wonder because I, I enjoy tennis. I, I in Colombia tennis, I never got to really enjoy a lot of tennis, but I do now. And and I always like, man, I like tennis because Jorge is just me. Like work hard, focusing. By the way, tennis is such a mental. It's a it's a difficult sport, but it's just you. For me, I think soccer has has allowed me to grow as a leader in so many ways because you have eleven people on a team, and you could have Messi on your team. But if the other 10 are not committed to work as a team, it's difficult. So, so I think those are some of the things that soccer has allowed me to grow as a person, as a leader. It's just how how to lead a team, how to help everybody know that, hey, you, everybody here on this team, we you have a role. Every role matters. Just not because you know the one that scored, you don't, you, you don't matter. No, everybody has a role. What does that look like for me as a leader? I think that's my job. My job is like, how can I elevate everybody? So again, I don't know if that's, that's how we're, the answer we're going, but those are yeah. some of the things that I think soccer has helped me kind of kind of grow as, as a leader. And I give an example, another one. Like last night, I, I, I'm also helped out of college for the last 11 years here in Atlanta. We're playing, I believe they were number two in the nation, mobile in Alabama. And big game, we, ha we have a really good game. We ended up losing four to five. I remember we started pretty poor. I think they scored two goals in the first two minutes. It was it was oh awful. But I remember in the halftime, I just feel like for me, again, God kind of got put in my heart with this guy. Like I said, hey, look at me. I said, listen, I don't care what the score is at the end. You need to know, like, I'm for you. I love you. I care for you. And that's not going to change no matter what the score. But with that, take that and go out there and be confident. Play. I know how you can play. Go play. So we go to play second half. The team, man, so proud of them, man. The effort, the the bravery, the courage to go to some tackles. The game ended up, again, we lost 4-5. We're actually 4-4. We scored to win. They say it was offside, which, again, I wish I had a VAR. And then <laughs> with a few minutes left, the referee gave them a penalty that was outside the box. Anyway, we ended up losing. But at the end of the game, there was just this sense of me that, yeah, it was upsetting. But I was like, 
I was like, man, that was a good game. That was a great game. I told the guys, hey, I know you're upset, but dude, what a resilience, what courage that you guys never gave up. You came and you fought and and listen, you you almost won the game. And I told him, I said, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes we learn. So so guess what? If we learn from today, for me, that's good. So I was like, don't waste the opportunity today. Let's go back. Let's look at video, get better. But anyway, that's something that I tell people, I said, I think soccer and being a coach and a player has taught me so much about just being a leader and serving the teams. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. And that's, I mean, that's why we do this show, right? Is these life leadership lessons we can learn from the game that is, goes so far beyond winning, right? And we even talked about last week with, with Dan Williams, just about that. When we focus too much on winning, we miss the lessons, right? And to be able to see that in the moment, like, kudos to you, man, that's hard to do when you're in the middle of it to be able to bring that, you know, and, and there's actually been times where I, I, I really appreciate the humility of coaches that I coach with. Cause you know, with the disc training and the personality style stuff that we do, they're in the middle of the heat of battle and then they'll come up to me right before halftime and say, okay, how do I connect with these, with these girls today? Because I want to just rail into them and yell at them and yell at them and yell at them, but I know that won't be effective. So what can we do? You know? And, and it's that, how can we take a step back before just reacting, yeah. you know, to, to basically what you were able to do at that halftime after the game? You know, it's hard to do when you lose a tight game, especially on bad calls. So anyway, kudos to you for being able to do that at the at the halftime after the game to be able to really connect with the players and be able to teach them those life lessons that we can learn from the game. Because I think that that's, that's missing in a lot of our youth sports and a lot of our college sports and a lot of, you know, I mean, in pro sports as well, because we, one thing we all know is that life happens after soccer, right? Like that everyone will end their career at some point. Mm -hmm. So are they going to be ready for that life after soccer? And on that note, you know, what are, with, with regard to youth soccer, you're working with the youth, you're working with college, you're working with pro players. But what are, what are some of the things that you, and, and you played and you grew up in a different country. And so I, and with a different system, and now the youth system here was different when we were kids too, but what are some of the things you like about youth soccer in the U.S.? And what are some things that you'd like to change about the current state of youth soccer here in the U.S.? Definitely. Well, and I guess uh, one of the things that I have observed now as a parent, because I have four children, 11-year-old boy, 9-year-old girl, seven-year-old girl and four-year-old boy and they're all playing foot soccer football is that one thing for me that is sad for me as somebody that grew up in south america i grew up playing in the street you play until it was dark or your grandma called you hey it's time to go to bed kind of thing <laughs> i can't i cannot offer that to my children in this country okay mm -hmm. i know my kids can't get to come with me sometimes to clarkston it's a refugee community we it kind of looks like that but where we where we are right now, you know, is and nothing wrong with this. I mean, we're grateful where God has us, but you know, it's suburbia. So that for me personally, just as Jorge, for me, that's something like, man, I wish they had that. So that's why I love when we go to Honduras, because that's what is there. Like mm -hmm. just playing soccer for fun. So that's one. Is that I think that Baptist the United States, of course, this nation has been so blessed with resources. So you look, see some of these facilities like like some of the work that I do with Atlanta United Academies. I mean, what they have is incredible. I mean, incredible facilities, the technology. So that's where I see the U.S. in the youth size. Man, they're 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 catching up. They're improving. I personally, just me as Jorge, I think what we still have as Hispanics, Latin America, I think when we talk about just 
the the technique of the technique of the game just just having that kind of flavor i think we still win we have that but i tell my hispanic community my latin countries is that the gap is getting smaller the gap is getting smaller because south american players like yes we have the technique it's natural that's what we do but when we talk about discipline when we talk about war ethic i think that's what this nation has done such a great job like you talk about coaching education there's a process in our country in our countries finally as of a few years now there's actually coaching licenses so we're so behind on that so that's the benefit of this country you have that but also if you think about the youth level there's just so many leaks there's so many leagues like you know there's ECNL there's DPL there's you know uh, there's the US Soccer Academy that last year changed so so i think there's lack of like clarity or vision of what the the process is so you know the other thing too is like you look at every other sports in the states like basketball NFL it seems like a lot of your better players they they grew up in an underserved inner city environment it seems like that's the way it is soccer in Colombia is, is those, the, the Neymars, the Ronaldinhos, all those guys, they're, you know, they grew up playing on the street. In this country, the reality is, and that's why Open Ed exists, youth soccer is a pay-to-play model. It's a, it's a, in my opinion, it's a middle-class and high sport. And that's where I think we need to figure out ways how can we make the game more accessible? And, I, and believe me, I know it's challenging because I know you have to pay coach. If you want good coaches, you have to pay them a salary. You have to rent fields. Those fields are grass. They need to be water. So I understand there's not an easy solution. But uh, but I guess for me, that's why OpenNet exists. We see a gap that there's a, there's a generation of underserved minorities, Hispanic, refugees, that they have so much talent, but they don't have access to some of those opportunities because either the costs or here in Atlanta, some clubs want to recruit some of my guys. And I'm like, hey, I, I support that. You need to give him a scholarship. Oh, but hey, coach, are you going to provide transportation? And they cannot. So so those are some of the issues that I'm mm-hmm. seeing that that I think on the level of U.S. soccer, U.S. youth soccer, I would like to see more clarity. I, I met somebody from Germany, from the Federation in Germany. And the, the German Federation, they manage all of soccer from the pro level to the youth level, even in the schools. So it's the Federation. Do, so at least, whether you agree or not, or not, at least there's a process, there's a one body. I, in, my exper- in my limited experience in the States, it seems that there's so many different bodies that sometimes, of course, they, they're bumping heads. So, so I don't know. I, I just feel like maybe I wonder if there's a better way, which again... That's not my job. I'm sure there's many, many opinions there, but that's what I have observed in my years here in the States. Yeah, I find that opinion very, very valuable. And I think some of the you hit on some of the things I think that, that are obstacles within our own countries, that there are is a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of wealth. There are a lot of numbers. You know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people and it's, it's very difficult. I mean, I know even as I think I've told the story before when I've been in Spain and just walking through and just seeing places where there's just pickup games going on in the in the community. There's a concrete pad with permanent metal posts in the ground and there's just people waiting to to play pickup soccer or kids in the park or you know, it's not not that there's not organized sport, but there's opportunity to just just go and play. And I think a lot of it here is very controlled and coached in a yeah. lot of ways. And there's va- there's value to that also. I think there's a both and mm-hmm. uh, but I love your I love your view on that and your experience it speaks very well into that. Yep. So I appreciate that. And if I can give you a one quick thought too, I think there's I think for me I love this part of this country is that you're able to to pursue your college education and pursue your passion for the sport. 
mm-hmm. that's not available in our countries. In our countries, like uh, like by 15, if you're not playing pro, you're not going to be playing pro. That's it. And there's nothing else. One thing that I think this country has a benefit is like last night. And we have a bunch of guys they would like one day to be pro. But right now, they get an education. So what I love about that is like when, when, when God called me to retire from pro sports, I had a degree. I had an opportunity. I had an education. And I think that's valuable because a lot of my teammates back home, when they retire, they're, you know, probably in their 30s, mid-30s, and they're trying to go back to school, which, again, nothing wrong with that. All I'm saying that there's also some advantages that I have learned from this country on, on how can you offer through soccer opportunities for people, for education, for a better future. And, and I think you guys have that path well done here. I definitely, definitely agree with you there. And I see that as well. Just not that connection to the education piece is a, is a huge advantage here, I think for sure. And, you know, as we kind of, kind of switch directions here, there's a few questions we, we, I think we ask everybody on the podcast. And and one of those is a little bit more personal, maybe Jorge, we'll get a little personal here, but when you think about the game and you think about, you've mentioned your family, you're married, you have four kids. Me also, by the way, Phil has outdone us. He has way more than four. He's over an overachiever in all areas, even, even having children. So, but what are, what are things that, that the game itself ha- has taught you that you used in your marriage and in, in a parenting? We talked about it in leadership and of course you're leading in your home, but are there things that you use? So you've got a great example. You, you always, you always use when you're describing this is that what, what is it? What is it? You've got to say it because it's the retaliator gets the red, the, the retaliator I, gets the fact, red. In fact, I used that just a couple of days ago in the, in the house. So yes, I absolutely. I love that. So what are some things from the game, Jorge, that, uh, that you, that you use in, in marriage and parenting? Yeah, definitely. That's a great question. I will say a clear example that comes to my mind is like, you know, can I already mention a little bit that everybody on the team matters. Everybody mm-hmm. has a role. And I think in marriage, you know, I have learned, we've been married now 13 years and, and just learning, you know, with, with my wife about how my job as God has called me to lead the family, which doesn't make me better, doesn't make me, I'm higher. We're both leading. But as I store that literature in my life, it's like how, my job is like, how can I, you know, how can I lift my wife? How can I make her soccer wise? How can she continue to perform well? And and I think at the beginning, I think I didn't see that. I think in marriage, I always felt like, like you know, okay, I'm leading as long as I'm happy. And, and I never really intentionally thought about that. And I will say it's been a few years recently to to have the mentality like, hey, we're on the same team. As everybody on the team is growing, getting better, that's, the, that's not just good for them, but for the whole team. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind is just how how am I how am I being a good teammate? for my team, whether I'm the coach, whether I'm seeing myself as a player, but just being a good teammate, support them, loving them. And and one of them is because, I, I, again, I like to do things well with excellence. And the issue with that is like, it's really hard to replicate yourself, right? So you need to learn how to give opportunities to people to to fail forward, to to grow by failing. And so that's the thing I have learned in my family is like, just, you know, they, they're trying to do something and they're failing. Hey, how can I encourage them? Like, hey, hey, buddy, well done. You try. It didn't work. What do you need? So, so in a way, you're coaching them. So again, those are some of the. I will say those are some of the things that, that come to mind. <laughs> yeah, that that team concept comes into play really, really well when you start having kids and their personalities start developing. Like you said, you you don't kids don't come out like you. They have their own personalities, and sometimes you're like, wait, is that is that even my kid? Like, what what? You know, so it is like it is more and more like a team where you're like, okay, how can I best, how can I get the best out of my teammate, the best out of my child, the best out of myself, the best out of my wife, and yeah. uh, I think that's great advice for for 
for young coaches, young parents as they go forward. So that's great. And also one more thing, I think that's, I think the good coaches for me, the good coaches like kind of they identify those areas that you're good at and they help and they both encourage it because I believe that what's encouraged is repeated. And again, I have to learn that in my marriage. Anybody, anybody complains. I always tell, even the coaches that just, like I was telling soccer, like the guy had a bad touch and missed the goal and the, your teammate or your coach is like, hey, what are you doing? What a bad shot. I always said, hey, the feedback that you just gave him, did you say something he didn't do already? Like you say, hey, bad shot. Hey, well done. He already knew that. So I, I personally, because I know that was an issue with me, I have learned like, as a leader, it's okay. Sometimes as a leader, we need to be able to point what's done the wrong way. But I, I, I have encouraged myself and others. Is like, what about what are the areas that you have encouraged? Because what you encourage is going to be repeated. So that's the other thing that I have learned in my marriage. Like especially with my wife, like how can I how can I encourage her? Right now we're in a season of homeschooling, and so so it's, I tell people her job is my job is easy. Her job is so difficult, yeah. but but I have learned to say. Hey, babe. Hey, well done. I noticed what you did with me and my mom and the other day. Hey, I love what you're doing that. Like that for me, I have to go against the flow to be that kind of guy. Cause mm -hmm. I tell people any, any dead fish goes with the flow. So when you criticize somebody cause they did something, you just a dead fish going with the flow, man. Like what it looks like for you to go against the flow and look for something on that teammate as a coach, look something on your players that you, you that is positive and guess what? Encourage it because Again, I believe that was encouraged is repeated. But again, I know that for me, I had to be so intentional to do that because I don't know. I guess it's easy to do the opposite. Yeah, that's so good. Actually, I'm gonna combine Ted Lasso with what you just said and say, "Be a goldfish, not a dead fish." Right? I mean, I think that that could that could catch on. That could catch on. I like that. And you know, the other thing you talked about there is, you know, don't tell someone they you know something they already know. My wife, early on in our marriage, she's also a soccer player. It said to me something that has always stuck, and I use it all the time in in trainings that I do, in the coaching that I do. I remember it, and she said, "Phil, you know, because I I criticized her about something apparently that she already knew." that she did wrong. And she said, Phil, when I shank a shot, I don't need you to tell me I shanked the shot. And I thought that that was, reminded me of it when you talked about that. And I, I said, okay, I, okay, you know, message received. Also how, how our families are different. My, my daughter just, this is just crazy. My daughter just broke her uh, collarbone, which is not a good thing. We're sitting in the ER and I'm sitting there as a, you know, different personality from hers, thinking about all the things she's going to miss, all the fun. She's not going to be able to play soccer. She's not going to be able to play golf that she was starting to play. She's not going to be able to do a lot of things that are fun things. And the one thing that she says, oh, no, as I'm relaying these things, I'm probably pouring salt in the wound to her. I was keeping most of them myself, but I said a couple, and she said, oh, no. And I said, what, 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 what else are you going to miss? She says, I'm not going to be able to help my class with the float building for homecoming. <laughs> that was what she was worried about. She wasn't going to be able to help others. So, you know, we do need to remember that not only are we totally wired differently, but yeah, we are, we're a team. And if we, if we do what we're strong in, it will be awesome. If we, you know, if we force everyone to do everything, that's, that's not that's not going to be the best for anybody because people are going to get stressed out and they're not going to be doing the things that they're made to do. So absolutely love that. So Jorge, you know, thank you. We have one more question for you. And this again is something we ask because we'd like to learn from what you're learning from. So what have you read, watched, or listened to that has informed your thinking and reminded you that soccer does explain life and leadership? 
Yeah, definitely. Something that recently I'm going over with a group of guys that, that I mentor is we're going through this book from Tim Keller called Every Good Endeavor. And it's all mm. about how connecting your work to God's work. So even with some of the pro athletes, because again, we, we kind of separate those things and, and going to the book of Genesis, where when we think about work, especially if you're a person of faith, the reality is that most people think of work as a consequence for sin, right? But just really reframing that God created work before sin entered the equation. So, so, so God created us to work. Like you, you read the story of creation, God work, God created, but not only he worked, he created, he gave us the example that then he rested. No. So that's one learning about, you know, I'm not God, so I need to, to, to rest and, and, and enjoy time of rest. But also I personally, in the last two weeks, as I've been meditating, journaling on this stuff, when he says that, and God created this, 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 and, and he saw what he created and he said it was very good. And for me personally, I have learned that how does that look like for me when I'm coaching, when I'm doing life, how does it look like for me to, to be able to slow down and look at what God allowed me to do throughout the day? And say, oh wow, that was good work. What would that be? It could be, you know, a coaching a game, coaching some kids, you know, cooking a meal at home, homeschooling your kids, doing a big business deal. But be able to really slow down and realize like God created us to work. Your work is not separate from your faith. And really slow down and say, Hey, you know what? That was good work today. And maybe you look at it, it wasn't good work. Maybe you see God and say, Okay, God, how can you equip me to make a good work? So that's a few of the things, just just being able to to understand the the gift of limits that I need to rest, specifically as a as a as a young father, I want to have energy for my kids. Understanding how can I, you know, I'm created for work and and enjoy that, have joy in that. And then the other thing connected to that, God saw what He did and and He delight in it. And and that's my challenge to to myself and people. Like, do you delight in the word that God has allowed you to do? Because I think God created us to work, to do good work, and to enjoy it whatever that is whether you're washing a dish which i know if you have read a book called brother lawrence he said that you know whatever you do he found out that he wanted to to experience faith so he went to a monastery he got education and his role at the monastery was washing dishes Mm. he wrote a whole book about i'm worshiping god by washing dishes Mm -hmm. that's why i'm currently i feel like it's informing my leadership about you know I honor God. I, I get to serve God. And, and, and what a blessing. I get to serve God. I get to experience faith. I get to share my faith with a soccer ball. So I always tell people, you have passions that yeah. God has given you, whatever that is, you have those passions. I want to encourage you how you bring purpose to that passion. For me, that's for me, it's faith. My faith now is giving purpose to the to the passion, the talent God's given me. And what equals, that equals for me now significance in my life. So, so that'll be my answer to that. That is so good. That is so good. And I, I need to read that portion of the book to my children when we talk about doing dishes. So I'm, I'm sure we all probably are in that same boat. But to Paul, I, you know, you have any parting words before we say goodbye to our good friend, Jorge? Yeah. Yeah. Jorge, listen, just uh, very encouraging. Love, love the, the work that God has you doing and just blessings to you and your family. And just really appreciate your time here on the podcast and just some, some great stuff, some great overlapping things that, that we're doing here. So I find a lot of encouragement in, in what you're doing and, and really some great insight into not just the faith piece, but even just the, the leadership uh, pieces of things as well. So appreciate your, your time, Jorge. Great to, great to meet you. No, thank you guys. I'm really honored for the opportunity. I definitely love stay connected with you guys we'd love to learn from you guys again as a 
as a young father that now my kids went from being I'm coach to now I'm just the dad on their teams. Mm -hmm. It's been a beautiful season, but it's been a hard season yeah. of learning to back up. And for me personally, I've been journaling and I'm like, man, there has to be resources out there to help people, especially specifically people of faith that they want to support the kids. Well, anyway, uh, probably that's a different conversation for another day. <laughs> it's been rough, guys. It's been rough, but I'm saying in a good way, in a good way. Yeah which I'll share this pretty quick. I had a conversation with my son the other day. Actually, he was nine. And we're talking something about practice, something about, like, hey, we're hard, all this, blah, blah, blah. And and in the middle of the conversation, and I'm forgetting what was the challenge I gave him or the question. And then he looked at me and he said, no, dad, I know. It's just that, you know, soccer is not everything in my life. Mm -hmm. And as soon as he said that, and we're, we're actually about to pray to go to bed, I'm on his bed on my knees. And then he looked at me and he said that, and dude, it broke me in a beautiful way. Like mm. I drop and I say, son, thank you. I say, God spoke to you to remind me like soccer is just a gift. Let's enjoy it, but let's keep it where it needs to be. Yeah. Anyway, so that I put something out there for you guys that if you have any resources to allow me to, to be a, a good friend, a good partner to my children as they experience soccer, that'll be helpful. Yeah, no doubt. We'll have a lot more conversations. Hopefully we'll be able to work together on some different things. You know, I, I have no doubt this is just the beginning of a, of a long, long friendship for the all three of us. And so thank you again, Jorge. I, I appreciate you a ton. A little I've gotten to know you. I'm, I'm super encouraged, you know, blessed that, that God brought us together. And so, yeah, thank you again for being, being a part of this show. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks. Well, thanks again for being a part of this conversation. As you know, you can go check out everything we talked about on this show. We'll have the link to Upper 90. We'll have the link to that video that, that we mentioned earlier. We'll also have the link to Warrior Way Soccer. You can check that out, warriorwaysoccer.com, to, you know, to read about, to hear about, to watch what uh, Paul and Marcy are doing. You can also follow them on Instagram with all kinds of cool stuff there. Coachingthebiggergame.com is where you can find out about that program that we've started and disc training if you want to if you want to learn about that you can email me and that link is also at the show notes how soccer explains leadership.com is where you can find all of that so folks thanks again for being a part of this as always we hope that everything you're learning on the show will help you be a better leader a better parent a better spouse better coach better in everything you do and that you'll continually remind yourself that soccer does explain life and leadership Thanks a lot. Have a great week. <laughs>